Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City, from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I'm ruined. Oh. Absolutely ruined. Just my connection with the Irish national soccer team, I've, I've made clear on this podcast over the years. Like they were the, the, my introduction into the game, my first love, the team whose defeats would hang with me like a millstone around my neck until the next international window. But most, well, for the middle or my, my formative years watching them, like defeats were a rarity. They were brilliant. At one point, ranked third in the world. Imagine. When was that? Uh, prior to the 94 World Cup, they were like top five, I think. Um, Yeah, but they were, I mean, and Eric Cantona tipped them to win USA in 94. Oh, um. My. Yeah, they were brilliant, um, but they haven't been for a long, long time. And and as Gavin Cooney wrote on the 42.ie, there may be further to fall. Um, we lost to Greece on Friday. And it just, it it, it wrecked, it, 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 we were so poor, man alas in the midfield. If I could, if I could have paused time like in some terrible CBS show where there's a guy who can pause time. This is the kind of stuff they'd show. Sunday night, time pauser. I'd pause time and I'd go and I'd, I'd find some kind of Irish heritage for Manolas. And I'd, I'd just like, we have no player like him. I'm just watching him in the midfield. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And we have probably, we have one of the top rated young players in, in world football up front. And we might as well have, uh, an Edwardian, you know, bedroom set. We might as well have teacups, a collection of teacups, anything, a laptop. It doesn't matter. He ain't getting the ball. He's not getting set up. It's not happening. Picked apart by the Greeks, 2-0. And then the rugby team are in the quarterfinal. The Irish rugby team are playing the All Blacks on Saturday, yesterday. So I, I, I went to that game. And the great thing about the rugby team is like everyone's got rugby fever back home, but it's a niche sport in Ireland, really. Like the last 20, 25 years, definitely it, it's made a lot of strides. But like if the rugby team are in a quarterfinal, I'm on that bandwagon. Of course I am. But honestly, don't don't give a damn. Like if they win, yeah, brilliant shots. Go, let's go. Let's have a party. Sure. If they lose, eh, it won't kill me. The soccer team are dreadful and it still kills me. So there's a guy beside me and he's clearly a rugby novice. He's Irish. 
And I want, he, he's, he, he's probably the classic Irish person, like way more Irish than I am in many regards. Like he's six foot five, uh, ruddy complexion, uh, slightly, you know, big man, loud man, slightly paunchy belly, you know, and he's, 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 he's just like, do you realize, you realize, and he's had four or five pints more than me when I've arrived. So he's very enthusiastic. You realize how big a game this is for the Irish rugby team. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. New Zealand in the quarterfinals. No, no. Do you get it? Do you understand? It's massive, man. And he couldn't get my lack of enthusiasm. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to cheer for Ireland. Sure. But at the end of it, I don't give a f- like, that's the facts of it. And I say, I say to him, I tried to turn the conversation and I say, to be honest with you, man, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of shocked at how bad Ireland were on Friday in the soccer. And this guy's wearing an Irish soccer shirt. And he goes, oh, the soccer team. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't even watch them anymore. I couldn't be bothered with that. And I'm like, that's the attitude to have. That's the attitude I can't get to. That's the place I can't get to. No, and, and it's killing and you, me. It, you never it, will. It's killing me, though. It sucked the enjoyment out of everything. But didn't really. Well, I, I just I'm not bothered about the rugby. I watched it, enjoyed it. Sure. And then on the other screen, I'm watching the US Germany. And even that when Pulisic scores the goal, I'm like, brilliant goal. It just it killed my weekend. Absolutely killed my weekend. Like I, I'm just addled, absolutely addled to the point where this morning feeding Roisin, I was watching Georgia and Cyprus. And I just watched the Georgians and Andrew, they're they're managed by Willie Sagnol. I didn't even realize that. Hmm. And Andrew, they're miles, miles better than Ireland. Technically, every way you want. We're we're absolutely getting passed by here. It's I don't know. Is uh is his attitude about the Irish soccer team one that is permeating throughout the nation? Because we talked about somebody asked in one of our mailbags a few months ago about like what was going on there, and, and we kind of did that deep dive into, uh, especially in Dublin, soccer really being pushed out in favor of uh, what was it? Gaelic it wasn't football. Rugby. yeah Gaelic football, and that yeah. becoming the new. That's where the, the nation's top athletes are now being pushed towards. And I just wonder if that's if there's a mindset throughout Ireland that this is not the main event anymore. Um Yeah. I, I, I think I think the first thing to recognize about like people say Irish people that were great sports people, generally I would say we're event junkies. We absolutely love when an athlete uh, the hockey team, anybody is doing well. So we do get behind our, our countries. I think soccer, a lack of development in the in the domestic league. Like apart from Dundalk and Sligo Rovers, could you name another team in the Irish domestic league? Probably not. Our 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 lack of kind of moving forward with the domestic league, um, and the lack of the the national team. Yeah, yeah. That 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 email was pretty prescient. Is it getting pushed out? The hardcore soccer people who watch soccer, um, like. There was a lot of optimism under Stephen Kenny when he got the job. So, you know, you'll still, the last few games have still been full houses at Lansdowne Road, but I don't think that's going to continue. Um, so, yeah, there is, there's going to be some attrition and, and um, you need, you need the national team to be, to be doing well in Ireland. You just do because there's so little uh, for, from the domestic league. So it's, it's, it, yeah, 
not a good position. And, and Gaelic football has made huge inroads in Dublin for sure. So- soccer's still big in Dublin, though, man. You know, it really is. It's just Gaelic football is more visible when the Dublin Gaelic football team are doing well. It's 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 more visible than what any Dublin soccer team, club soccer team, will will generate in terms of column inches and 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 attention. So yeah. Yeah, so you're defeated. Know, you're defeated. You're oh, defeated. I'm very, I'm very down. Yeah. I don't, where do you go now? What do we do? Do we revert back to what we were doing before and pay like a Sam Allardyce or someone like this to come in and play? Like, I mean, we can't go back to that old football. We can't because it doesn't work anymore. Who does it work for? Nobody. Nobody plays that way anymore. I don't know. I don't know what happens next. And who who would want the job? Seriously, who would want the job? This is the team with no sponsor. We have no shirt sponsor, no overall sponsor for the men's national team. We have a lame duck manager. We have, I mean, we've never had fewer starting Premier League footballers. Never had fewer. Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah, I mean, there was talk of Lee Carsley taking the job, who's the English under twenty one manager. Would he? Would he seriously want that? I know he's an ex Ireland player, but why? Yeah, I could see maybe, I mean, we're not there yet, but whenever Seamus Coleman retires, I don't know, I could see him maybe moving into a career management. He's such like a known leader, has can't a lot afford of for him. Can't name, afford for name him to cachet. Reti- can't afford for him to retire too soon. We need him to keep playing. He's one of those few, when he's fit, starting Premier League players. Yeah. I am, I, I'm super despondent, super despondent. And um, yeah, so there you go. Might as well, I had to get it off my chest. Also, in lieu of Philly sports talk. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Eagles. Mm. Um, well, your your despondence can, I'm sure it pales in comparison to what I was feeling at roughly the same time as the U.S. were floundering against the Germans. Uh, mm. Let's yeah. talk about that. Let's do that. Let's talk about it. Uh, yes, the the U.S. hosted Germany, of course, on Saturday afternoon. Um, and it did not go well. 3-1, your final, to the Germans. Um, where to begin? This is not necessarily an emergency podcast because we're separated by a day, but it is kind of a stream of consciousness pod, at least on my on my end here. Um, I have some notes, Andrew. I, I Even through my veil of tears. Hmm. Veil uh, of tears. I managed to put down some notes. So the the area where I, I kind of wanted to start was this conversation we were having the other day, which I, I sort of think is the most interesting part of this game. And we'll get to the specifics of it, but just the idea of, okay, the U.S. and Germany are playing in a friendly. What are we allowed to take from this? What what can we glean meaning from what is just written off to it being a friendly and we're trying stuff? Uh, I would say now, having watched it, hmm. I do think that these teams took it as seriously as you can take a friendly. Uh, I mean, I know substitutions were made at the half and, you know, things like that, but it was pretty much a squad versus a squad. Uh, and it's, I mean, it, it felt, I don't know, there was a big crowd on hand. It sold out good atmosphere despite not the greatest weather conditions. Yeah. Uh, it felt, it felt like a, a legitimate game to me as much as a friendly can feel like. So I think if you're an American fan in the wake of this, who's, who's a little bit discouraged, I wouldn't go crazy because ultimately it is still a friendly. Um, and I'll get to my reasons as to why I, I wouldn't go crazy necessarily. But if you're if you came away from this a little bit discouraged, I think that's fair. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rip you for it. Uh, 
Um, I know sometimes in the past we've said, oh, stop, everyone, it's a friendly. I think this mm-hmm. one, the, the, you, the this American team spoke beforehand about, at least from their perspective, using this as a measuring stick game. So that means they're taking it seriously, and they're going out there and trying to win, and they're going up against an opponent who was struggling, who's in their first match under a new manager, so they haven't had a ton of time to acclimate to whatever that new style is going to be. So if you thought that you were going to be getting something better than what you got on Saturday afternoon and you're disappointed by what you saw, that's fair, I think. I think so, too. You're talking about measuring sticks. Well, the stick was taken from the U.S., used by Germany to beat the U.S. across the face hmm. in the second half. Um, but, like, the first half, you could, you could say the U.S. were competitive. Uh, now, I mean, Nicholas Fulkrug possibly could have had seven goals in this game, or at least four goals. Um I wouldn't say quite end-to-end, but certainly there were chances at both ends in the first half. And then the second half, Germany really kind of looked looked miles ahead of the U.S. Um, yeah, if you, want to, if you want to take things from it, uh, sure. I mean, one of the things you'll take from it is that U.S. don't really fare very well against this level of opposition. I mean, they don't win games. No. And um, the... The goals that were conceded, the equalizer from Gundogan after that slaloming run from Sane, and the third goal in particular, or even I mean, even even the second goal, not good, Andrew. Optically, yeah, the way they were scored was was kind of not not what you want to see because. Like the Sané goal wasn't some, uh, sorry, the Gunnigan equalizer wasn't some like intricate play where Germany picked us apart. I mean, Sané gets the ball on the right-hand side, cuts in, Dest shows him inside, and I'm like, all right, where's where's the midfielder to crowd things up? Where's, where's the next player? Runs across the front of the U.S. defense. Somehow Weston McKinney is either, oh, I think he's almost behind or he's in a center-half position, like, I don't know what he's doing. Ream nowhere. Richards nowhere. Gap opens up, ends up at uh, falling to Gundogan. Scores. Just, just generally looked bad. And the third goal in particular. Well, real, real quick, just I don't want to go through them all at once. We'll get to we'll get to each okay, one. All right, all right. But but the the first goal in particular, I got to give uh, Ali Moreno credit on ESPN FC because I was listening a little bit to some of their analysis afterwards, and he, you know, when I was watching it, I kind of was looking at Dest. Being like, you know, are you going to like, I know you're showing him the inside, but like, can you apply some pressure? Not just let him go. Like other guys who like you just mentioned there at McKinney, um, whoever um, Moreno mentioned Polisic, And I, when I heard him say it, I thought, well, where was he? And I watched mm. it again. I still didn't see it right away. And then finally, like uh, on third review, and maybe you have to be a former player sometimes to see these things. I don't know, but yeah. like, but you can see that Polisic. He's kind of he kind of jogs back and is sort of in the vicinity behind Sane, but then he just he's like, okay, I'm I'm just gonna stop here. And he probably and he didn't need to. He could have applied some of the pressure coming from behind. I'm always looking at what's in front. Like that's yeah, just yeah. where my eyes are drawn to. It's like who are the defenders? Polisic could have done more coming from uh to pressure Sane coming from the back. So I think a lot of guys on that one you could probably look at. Um, but the general theme of it was sort of the ease with which it was allowed to happen. That was discouraging. 
Yeah, very discouraging. And I, I don't mean to jump to the third goal, but like if you're talking in terms of innocent bystanders, as Pulisic was on the first, Scally probably on the third as well. And although there was more than him, there was Richards, there was Reem. That was a mess of a goal. But let, let's go back. It started really kind of brightly um, uh, to go one up with thunder bastard of a goal by Pulisic. That was a, just a brilliant strike. Really, really good strike. Um, I think he was running at Rudiger as well, which... That's a matchup I like uh, and, and dispatches it into the top corner uh, beyond uh, Ter Stegen. So, you know, I mean... Honestly, I think it's... I don't have them all in front of me right now to read off chapter and verse, but in terms of the goals he scored for the national team, I'm having a hard time thinking of, of a better one. I, I really think it's near... Considering the opposition, I know, I know the stakes aren't high because it's a friendly, but it's Germany and... You know, that type of goal where he takes it from as far out as he did to dribble for the distance that he did and to finish the way that he did. I think it's honestly, I think it's one of the best goals he's scored. I'm, I'm going to go with that. I can't I can't think of a more aesthetically pleasing one that he's got for the U.S. It was it was it was, it was gorgeous. And it it continues his good uh, club form on the international stage. And um, it was it was interesting because he'd. It was there was this kind of flurry of activity from like the 24th, 25th minute on. Like, uh, Pulisic had that, and I, I want your thoughts where he's it's a nice move down the right by the US, the ball's centered to him, and he should just slot it home. And why, why is he taking a touch there? I don't know. He and he then the dive doesn't... should have been a yellow. Oh, definitely. It was a, I mean, it was egregious, it was egregious, it was dive. terrible. Yeah, and then I, I thought should, I thought he should have taken an immediate first touch. I mean, agreed. maybe he he saw something different. I'll go around the keeper here, but that your touch has to be perfect to do that from that sort of area. I think just you're you're thinking too much. Just take it first time. And there's no pace on the ball either. You know, sometimes with with the, when you're going around the keeper, you're running in onto a through ball, and it's like you versus the keeper, and a touch to the side is just all you need, and you're past the keeper. It's like it's simple physics. <laughs> There's that's not that kind of situation. I agree with you. And then, like literally after it, Fulkrug should have scored, should have scored at the other end. And probably, and, 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 and oh, I, mean, I think so. He put put his head, or at least hit the target. Like it, it was straight at. I thought Turner uh, saved it. He did, but like it was it, it was an easy tur- save yeah. for Turner, really. And and Fulkrug just puts his hand to his face, and then straight after that, we have the goal from Pulisic. But yeah, it was a fun stretch. Um, that like yeah, it was. It was it, yeah, kind of things exploded. Um. But yeah, the, it's just right, and like right before halftime, to concede a goal like that is is really demoralizing. Um, and then the second half, the second half, uh, and it's a quote from your best friend in football journalism pulled this quote from uh, uh, Chris Richards, uh, Henry Bushnell, who did a nice post match piece. Um, he described Germany in the second half. Chris Richards did like seeing a train wreck coming, but you couldn't quite move from it. And, and that was the truth. It, it felt like every time Germany went on the attack that they were in. Yeah. Richards even said about it. He said second half, it kind of felt like we were chasing shadows a bit. I mean, he, no, he's, that's... he's parading out a lot of like, I almost wonder like, as he's saying these lines, does he realize like, <laughs> The gravity of them, like these are but really what, bad things to be saying about your those performance. Are, those are damning lines, but I love it because we're always complaining. You know, you what would you usually get? You know, the team are top opposition; they really are. And when you get to play a team like Germany, you know they're going to make you work hard without the ball. So 
we struggled a little bit, but I thought, you know, we should go showed good heart and stayed in it. That's usually what you get. Mm-hmm. Tell me the truth. And I'm glad he said the truth. Yeah, he did. He went right for it. He's not wrong either. I mean, that is that's what I saw. Chasing yep. shadows, train wreck come. Like we all the goals that, that happened, I mean, yeah, like you could you could sense them. You could feel what was what was occurring there. Um yes. yeah, it was uh the second half was was brutal. It was a bloodbath that second half. You saw Germany like we think of them and and I think we were taught a little bit of a, a lesson as to where this US team is at right now, which is discouraging. Um, which goes a little bit back to circle back to something you said near the top of this, that the US is they just they struggle against quality opposition from outside of this region. Um, going back to Henry Bushnell's piece, he he wrote about it in terms of the, this persistent problem of not being able to beat these kind of high quality opponents. He writes, um, by one measure, their A team hasn't even beaten a top 25 opponent outside of CONCACAF since Greg Berhalter took charge in late 2018. Uh, they've beat up on Mexico and they have played solid soccer against World Cup foes, but their best wins, their best win outside their region is over Iran or perhaps a reeling Morocco last June. They need to broaden their horizons. They need they uh, they saw Saturday as a precious opportunity to do just that. Uh, these, McKinney said, are the type of games that we have to win to advance the program forward, to advance ourselves forward, and to be successful in the coming years. And it's hard to escape the conclusion that they failed. I think if we thought that the U.S. were on a similar level with Germany, given German the Germans' recent struggles and given how our A-team looked in the CONCACAF Nations League, I think this was an education. I think this would say, nope, not yet. Maybe one day, maybe at 26. Who knows? Maybe even next summer we'll we'll have grown to a point at Copa America where we'll be pleasantly surprised in in matchups against Argentina or Colombia or Brazil or whoever. But today, nope, nope, not yet. I'm not going to say Germany are back or any headlines like that. But they seemed to be passing the ball in the midfield more cogently and coherently than previously. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe the U.S. just found a team that suddenly found its way under a manager who's a very we, we clear didn't, right. We talked about not wanting to be the Germans get right game, and mm-hmm. we wound up being their get right game. The whole well, world we, we, saw that and thought, oh, the Germans are back. Damn it. We don't. I We don't. Here's here's the thing, and I don't want to be all Chris Richards on the U.S. I can't say that the Germans are back based on that opposition and performance. They looked very good. The U.S. did not look so good. And can we talk about some players now? Um, specifically, McKenney is in my mind. Okay. Um. You, there's a there's a lot from McKenney. Uh between games there's a lot of swag there's a lot of talk we need to be here we need to be doing this and he's 25 now like i consider him a leader on this team i didn't see much leadership on saturday i saw a fella who looked lost without tyler adams anywhere in the vicinity i saw i mean there was one point that really disappointed me um again it was that second half He's he's out on the right hand side and he plays he tries to drive a ball to somebody. I'm not sure who it was in the middle of the field, and it's intercepted and Germany again on the attack, immediately on the attack. And he just kind of stops and throws his hands in the air. And I know he's playing 
I think he's probably playing the majority of minutes for Juventus. And there's been some kind of debate over his right, his correct position. And, and has that been found? I don't think he looks fit or certainly not at the level of, of, of other players. I, I don't know, man. He just, he underwhelms me. And I, I wonder, do other fe- people feel the same? Like I know I, I've seen Pulisic have bad games for the U S where he kind of tries too much maybe tries to take the whole team on his back. But generally speaking, there's a level of performance and effort um, that that I that I can see always from, from Pulisic. And I just I I didn't I didn't see it. I, I was I haven't seen it in quite a while with McKenney. I don't know how you feel about that. Well I thought in the Nations League, I mean he missed the final, obviously, but mm. I mean if you were looking for leadership, I thought we saw it in the Nations League semifinal against Mexico. Um yeah I mean if we thought that the U.S. had a, a, if you're thinking of it in terms of tiers, like Polisic is in that top tier, like if you thought that the top tier was comprised of Polisic, Adams, McKinney, I mean maybe you don't. I wouldn't fight you if you thought there's not a consistency necessarily from McKinney that would allow you to put him in that same tier that Polisic and Adams might be in. Um, I, I, I would. I think I might agree with that. I think he can yeah. be. I think there are games where I've seen from him where he's absolutely brilliant and and looks like one of the U.S.'s most important players. We know that he has it in him, um, but maybe you don't get that quite. You know, if you if you want that every game the way you feel like you do get it from Pulisic, even in the games where he's not at his best, you still feel like he's he's finding a way to make a positive impact, or he's he's, he's at least trying to. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. I don't know. Is yeah. there is there also a way? Um... Knowing Serginho Dest's limitations to release him further up the field and slot someone else in a fullback position. So this is so your your McKinney from this game is is Dest for me. Where sometimes you watch a game and you think, ah, all right, let's 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 talk about this. Like that's that's kind of my takeaway from Dest, um, because I do think that his shortcomings defensively. Uh, we all know that, but you put up with it because A, he has really good recovery speed, uh, and B, what he can present in attack is is potentially really threatening. But if he's not if he's not doing that as much as you would like, then <laughs> then there's not there's not a ton there. You know, Matt Turner um had a quote after this one where I'm just trying to find it real quick. Um where he he said our shape was broken, yes. sagging and keeping guys on side. I have to believe that that last line there, the keeping guys on side. I, I I he doesn't say Serginio Dest's name, but if you watch, which goal was it? Was it the second goal or the? Th- I can't remember which one it was, but like, it's it's what happened. It's why that goal was able to occur. The U.S. Right. had like the U. Yeah, maybe the shape was sagging a little bit, but you had basically three guys in the line, and then you had Dest playing the whole world on side. Uh, and you know, I think I, I have to think that it was so glaringly obvious that's what Matt Turner is referring to. Absolutely, to what happened, and that's not and, good. And I, Lack no, of concentration. It, it you know, it's you can't have one guy who's not you know Greg Berhalter in his quotes. He talked about a lack of connectivity. Um, yeah, I think you could say that that's that's what you see in moments like that, and that's not good enough against a team like Germany. No, it's not, and I think as well. Maybe maybe we need to kind of just, and I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not saying rip up everything Bearhalter's done. No, no. Um, I'm I'm just saying, but maybe there needs to be 
if you look at the teams, Morocco spring to mind, but if you look at the teams that have excelled beyond their station or beyond their ranking or beyond where we perceive them to be in world football, what's the one thing you can say about all of them? They're ruthlessly, ruthlessly wedded to shape an organization. Like they, like they are, it's, how would you put it? I mean, Japan springs to mind. Yeah. Hearing you talk this way about teams that like, you know, you would think the U.S. and Japan, similar level, but I don't know. I mean, Japan have, have looked really good. Um, and that's something that I would associate with them as well, what you're talking about. Right, exactly. And this kind of absolute dedication to being hard to break down when they don't have the ball. And I'm not saying we stop being, we, we, we you know, we do have talented players, players who can hurt the opposition. Um, But maybe we have to be, humble is not the right word, but a bit more, kind of a bit, I hate, I'm all, I'm running into words that are just like negatives. And You're going to say pragmatic? Like myself, but conservative is not what I want. All these words are just, they, 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 they just think of, of managers that we, we've all decided are not, they're, they're done, their time is over. But like just when we don't have it against the top quality opposition, we need to know exactly how to cut off passing lanes, how to be just super obtuse and hard to get through, hard to beat. And I don't know if we are that. Well, we, we aren't. On Saturday, you could see that. Um, and I wonder, how do you balance being a team that's attacking, exciting, people want to watch them, people want to pay, pay to watch them, gets the best out of your, out of your uh, Christian Pulisics, gets the best out of your Gio Reynas, your Tim Ways, but is also absolutely hard to break down. And we're not hard to break down. Well, sometimes... I mean, like some of my like analysis of this team and in, in this game is that there were certain problems of the past that were biting them again in this one. Like you say, they're not hard to break down. But when I think about you know their road through qualifying, oftentimes what what this team has looked like, they didn't concede they didn't concede goals, but they don't score them. Like that was what we always said about them that was so frustrating throughout qualifying, and I think that you saw a little bit of that rear its head again in in this game. Um, but we are talking a different level here. That's the point, though. Right. and th- But that's why Weston McKinney referring this as a measuring stick game. We're all taking our lead from him, and we're saying, okay, fair enough. Here's what we all saw, Weston. Like, the the level was upped, and like th- those problems continue to persist. You know, the U.S., like, I-, I think you saw it a lot in this game. There was good buildup play, especially mm-hmm. in the first half. Like, they, they, they got the ball into threatening positions. Um, and it was, it was a fun half. I mean, yeah, Germany, you know, they, they got the one that hurt the U S at the end to equalize, but there was back and forth play. Yes. Germany could have had other opportunities to score goals too, but the U S I thought had the buildup play was there. Um, but they don't score. They don't finish those opportunities. They oftentimes don't even generate half chances at the end of those opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Carlisle wrote about it afterwards. He said the USMNT's out of sync attack reflected in its stats. Its XG from open play in Saturday's match was a was 0.09, the lowest such mark in any game under Bearhalter. As dangerous as the US was at times, it absolutely has to get shots off. 
I think he's right. Like well, there were moments where you, I know, but there were moments in watching it. You, you thought, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then it's, it kind of, it kind of ends there. Like, and that's, well, that really reared its head in this game against the team that will, that will, you know, against cock and calf op- opposition, they won't bite you necessarily. And you can win one nil. Right. But, but that wasn't who you're playing. You're playing Germany now. And you told all of us that these are the teams that we think we should be beating. And your, your problems were still there and the Germans will bite you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but we have said this consistently. We said it particularly in the World Cup. You know, look good sometimes going through the phases in midfield, working the ball out wide. But we often don't get the final pass. Like, it's not like we, we you know, as Jeff says, we're not getting shots off. We're not getting the final pass off. That that Those last final pieces aren't there. Um, and against the top opposition, forget your... Concacaf qualifying, we really have to forget about that now because it's it's not going to be an not issue. Not a thing, for, yeah. It's not a thing anymore. Um, again, against the top sides, we 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 don't defend either particularly well, and and think we need to bottle or not bottle, but remember the feeling we had against the Netherlands about the goals we conceded. Similar feelings came to the surface again right, at the weekend in Connecticut. The same kind of goal over and over again, except in that game, it was like Denzel Dumfries passing it in from from a corner. Uh, in this one, it was everything along the 18-yard box, like just outside of the penalty area. Germany were allowed to just roam freely there. And mm. the U.S., there was just, there was not, they were not being met with any real resistance. Um, I mean, certainly on the first one we talked about with Sané. The second, again, Musiala gets a touch. Gosens then gets a touch. Like, they were both able to play those balls, and Gosens' touch was perfect into yeah. full crew, who had all day to finish. Um, even the third one, you know, it's it's Musiala operating right on the edge of the box again. Now, this one kind of was defended by Reem, but it takes a weird bounce. And, like, again, if you continue to allow Germany to get into those positions, you do run the risk of a ball bouncing a way that is dis, that is not advantageous for you, and and that's what happened to them, you know. So time and time again, Germany could just get into those positions, and there there wasn't a whole lot there to deter them from doing it, um, you know. So yeah, defensively, that was that was that was an issue as well, not yeah. finishing opportunities in attack and allowing Germany to to operate too freely, um, you know. Th- those were some things that were that were frustrating in this one. Um, um, our friend Max Bredo said a tweet and. I think it kind of sums up big picture a little bit. Uh, the U.S. men's national team has some real nice talent, probably the best we've ever had. It is, it's not Germany talent or any country in the top 10 in the rankings. The reality is we still have a defined ceiling at the moment. That's fine. Still progressing. So that is one of the last things that I wanted to talk about with this. Okay. In the In the wake of this game, there was a lot of Twitter outrage. Uh, which is again, like I said at the start of this podcast, that's fine. Like the you, the team themselves told us that they viewed this, or at least a player. I'm not saying Weston McKinney speaks for everyone, but he's a leader on this team. And if he says there, you know, these are the teams we should be beating. It's a measuring stick, whatever. We're going to take our cues from him. Um, so there was a lot of anger, it seemed, over the way this played out because it was kind of decisive. Um, but I think Max's point is true that like. We- I don't care what Germany's recent struggles have been. Look at the damn lineup. Like how far down, JJ, if we if we put all of the players who played in this game, if we put them all into just one group and rank them, how far would we have to go to get to an American player? I mean, Pulisic would be it, 
but Musiala, Gundawan, um, Sane, uh, I mean, but even, even like Pascal Gross, Rudiger, Gross, like, and look, I love Pulisic. Maybe, you know, maybe put him, if he were at Brighton, maybe he'd be doing the things that Pascal Gross are doing. I think that's, that's certainly possible. So I'll give Pulisic a chance. He's getting top five, but then what? Like, so I think we all learned this cold reality that like, yeah, we can talk tough and say, you know, these are the teams we should be beating, but we're wrong. We're not like this. This German team is is really damn good. Again, like I know I know what their recent struggles have been, but I don't care. I see I see those players, you know, say what you want about Nagelsmann, that maybe we're hitting him at a low ebb. He's considered one of the brightest young managers on the planet at 36 years old. He's managed Bayern Munich like he's yeah, so he makes you sick, doesn't he, though? Well, I'll get to him because there's something I want to point out at the end of this to close on. I I want to compliment him, actually. Okay. Um, so I think Max brings up a good point. Is like, you know, we can be mad all we want, but we're not we're not Germany. And if we thought we were, we were incorrect. I don't care how talented this group of American players are. If we want to say it's the most talented group we've ever had, maybe that's true. There might be, you know, the O2 team might take umbrage with that. I don't know, but you know, it's certainly in the conversation, but like, it's not, it's not what that German team is. So I don't know, like you can yell and get mad and and all that all you want, but like losing to this German team shouldn't necessarily be something that sends you into a negative tailspin because uh, they're better than us and they should beat us. And had we beaten them, it would have been overachievement on our part. And I think if your team doesn't overachieve, like, is that a reason to to get really mad at them? I mean, I, I could have wanted to see something better in the second half, but I don't know that I would say the U.S. were necessarily embarrassed in this game. They led, you know, like it was. No, it's a three-one. It's a it's it's it, it's it's not a a thrashing. It's a it's a firm spanking. Yeah, sure. Okay, fine. Um, you know, the U.S. didn't have Tyler Adams, who we've said. On many occasions, while while I think Pulisic is the best player on this team, uh, you can make an argument as to who the most important player is. Uh, and I think a lot of people's vote would be for Tyler Adams. He's not the captain for no reason. So when you're playing against opposition like Germany, not having arguably your most important player matters. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I would I think you can mention that. I think, look, Pulisic, I, I know that the U.S. were bellyaching a little bit afterwards. He probably scored a goal early in that game that should have counted. I don't think he was offside. So, you know, like there are things, you know, you could even point to the the third goal for the, for the Germans that, like I mentioned before, unlucky bounce. Like, does that mean that the U S got manhandled that like a ball took a weird bounce off of Reem right to a German player in front of goal um, to make that pass to Musial? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, Germany was way better in this game, but it's, I don't know if it's one that, like I said, is going to send me into a dark place about where the team is at. Am no, I, going, I don't think am so. Am I going I, too I, easy on them? No, I, I mean you will be told. I know you will be told. Um, I, I, I think I, I can hear people saying already. Oh, so the bar is now not getting embarrassed. That's your right. bar. Like that's not that's not what I'm saying. Like I'm saying that Germany is is a lot better than us. And if you didn't realize that before the game, like maybe we also fell into a little bit of that trap. I think you can take a step back now and see that, like, yeah, that we lost to a team that's really damn good. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy over that. And also we do love this team and and when we 
when we look at it, the team, sometimes we look at where they're playing and the majority of them are in Europe. I mean, the, the entirety of that starting lineup are in Europe. And sometimes we, we, we look at that and we think that's great. And we don't do much more analysis beyond that as supporters. We think, hey, Musa, he's at AC Milan. Pulisic, it's, he's at AC Milan. Eunice Moose is 20 as well. Um, Weston McKinney has bounced around a bit lately. He's ended up back at Juve. I, I, is he fully settled? I don't know. Uh, Tim Way has made, uh, made decent strides uh, in France. Uh, you know, was part of a, was a, a significant part of a Lille team that won a championship. Great. And Balogun is young. Don't know exactly what he's going to be yet. He's had he's made a great start in France, but we don't know what he is yet. Gio Reyna doesn't play for Borussia Dortmund. Sergio Dest couldn't get a club, but now has a club. Uh, Tim Ream is forty-five years of age. He's, he's doing the best he can. Doing, the, doing best the best he can. He can. Chris, Chris Richards not a not a starter for the majority of last season. Was not a starter at his club. Matt Turner now not a starter. Is a starter at Nottingham Forest. Um, and Scally. Young player who who we like a lot, but let's be honest, twenty years of age, lot yet to prove. So right, you're right. We get sucked into this U.S. centric bubble where we begin to see our guys a certain way, and we kind of forget maybe what some of their places are on a global scale. I, absolutely, and 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 the bench. I, I know Luca Della Torre he had the start that he had at at Celta Vigo, um, and 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 I mean he's he's righted that uh, to a certain extent, but you know. Uh, Pepe, question marks there, bounced around as well. Cameron Carter-Vickers, I, you know, we can say he doesn't play in one of the top leagues in Europe as well. Brendan Aronson has really struggled um, since that bright start he made at Leeds. So look, we we do look at these guys and we look at them through uh, Uncle Sam's rose-tinted glasses and they're way off yeah, where Germany, like- where Germany are right now. But with organisation and... Sprinkling the players in form. We've seen how Germany can be turned over in tournaments, how they've struggled. It's not beyond us. It's just very difficult. Right. Like, like if Rudiger were, if everything was the same, except he was American, he'd like, he's not a legend of the game. He's really, he plays at Real Madrid. He's really good. If he were American, he'd be the greatest center back in the history of American soccer. You know, if Gundawan were American, he'd be the greatest midfielder that America has ever produced ever Musiala would be the greatest young player. Like that's who these, that's all, that's all of go up and down Germany's lineup. Like that's, that's what they are. So like, yeah, we got taught a lesson. We got maybe a little too big for our britches because we manhandled Mexico and beat Canada in the nation's league. And maybe we started to think we were in a place that we're not there yet. Like I said, it's not impossible. And what happens over the course of the next year, especially at Copa America, will that like, if they want to change hearts and minds, JJ, then that will be a, more of an opportunity to do it because they learned something. This the greatest, today. the greatest midfielder in the history of us soccer will be, has been, and always will be Thomas Dooley. Gotcha. I will not hear anything else, but Thomas Dooley. Okay. Fine player. Really good player. Sure. Yep. Um, Great Irish name too. Uh, a couple other final notes here uh, that I wanted to mention, you know, Bearhalter. I, I heard some of his comments afterwards. He said that there were aspects of this, that he thinks the U S should gain confidence, gain confidence from. Um, 
I would say those are, are were few and far between. I don't know how many of those I saw. Now, look, I will say this: if we're if we're looking for positives, one thing that you need to have, I think, to succeed internationally, and we probably knew this already about this U.S. team, but you know, sometimes these games can be tough. These teams don't have a lot of time to play with each, alongside one another and develop chemistry, and so like sometimes we see how these games go. So you need a guy who can create something from absolutely nothing if you want to succeed. Sometimes it's just how these games are won. You, even France, who are loaded with world-class superstars all over the place, sometimes they need Mbappe to just do something ridiculous. And he's done it. And it saved them on multiple occasions. Pulisic scoring a goal like that, like it, it, it reaffirms for me, okay, he's one of them. Like he, The U.S. can be in a tight, important game in a tournament. And if nothing's happening, as long as he's on the ball – you know that there's a chance that something crazy can happen, uh, and he can he can be one of those guys. So I'll, I'll take some confidence in that. Again, maybe we already knew that from his perform some of his performances at the last World Cup, but to do it against Germany on a goal like that that I like I said might be the best of his international career. That I'll take a little. If Bearhalter's trying to find things to take confidence from, I'll say we have a guy who can grab something from nothing for us, and that's important sometimes against good opposition in in major tournaments. I think so too. I think he's a he's a game changer and has has the quality to do the things that we saw him do on Saturday. Can we get to Na- Nagelsmann, please? So my only thought on Nagelsmann is go for it. Um, boy, I hope there's a German Watke out there because he's going to just have an effing field day with this guy's wardrobe. Oh, listen, he's on the east coast of the United States and it's fall, and he wears the shacket. You have to give respect to that. Timeless look. It's a look I I I I've I embraced last year. I bought a I bought an eighty five dollar shacket. Whoa! Who do you think you are? I I just I love the I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, warm, but also light, comfortable, uh, nice looking, but also casual. You can wear it anywhere. Just put a T-shirt on underneath it. Pair of jeans, sneakers. You are ready to attack your American weekend. It's great. It's it, and he he looked great. He some did. of the stuff he's worn on the sideline, I feel, has been too ostentatious. You know, sometimes he's he's dressed in like he's had the, you know, this the, the the tie, the shirt, the suit, pants, and then he'll have like a waistcoat. And I'm like, you're away at Freiburg. This isn't Paris Fashion Week. Why are you, why are you dressed like this? Isn't that Freiburg. one of the things that he was kind of made fun of when he was at Bayern? That like ruined some of the, for it. Yeah, yeah, ruined for it. And and um and also the older heads at Bayern. I'm presuming it was Oliver Kahn who used to make fun of him on his skateboard, wasn't it? Yeah, that he used to skateboard in. Like so, I mean, he just probably annoys so many people. But um, this this look is good for him. If uh, if you were a manager. JJ, what would be your uh, sideline apparel of choice? Um, comfortable club tracksuit. Tracksuit. Yeah, and for the big games, a suit. Like, if, if you could wear what Nagelsmann wore for every game, I'd, I'd wear something alongside that. I remember Luis Enrique wearing... At uh, Euro twenty twenty one, wearing uh, ripped jeans. Remember yeah. those jeans? Yeah, that. <laughs> and a shirt, and a, like this kind of polo shirt. And he just looked like he was going to the club. 
um, it's a little jarring. It, it almost felt, I don't want to be that guy, but it was a little inappropriate, I think. You're no jeans on the right. sideline then? No, no I wouldn't say sideline. no jeans, but his they they felt, I don't know, it, did, it wasn't what you wear to that kind of occasion for me. It just wasn't. No. Didn't look right. Stone washed. I remember a time when baseball hats on the sideline were a no-no in English football. People were like, oh, Looks terrible, absolutely terrible. And the man who changed all that was Mr. Anthony Pulis. Tony Pulis never not wore one. And uh, yeah. Uh, the first time I found out he was bald, it was it was really shocking. I didn't know what was underneath that, but I assumed there was hair. I was wrong. I always thought underneath it was a towel for Rory DeLapp to dry the ball in his hands for a long throw in. <laughs> Selection of towels. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now the hat, I mean, Klopp pretty much, uh, I associate hats with him. And, yeah. They weren't They weren't always a thing, not, not in English football anyway. But but yeah, I, 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 I like the shacket. It's actually a shacket I'd love to get, the, the lighter colored one. My, my shacket's a little bit darker, so. Yeah. Not good. It's, I wonder, is he going to tailor, now he's in international football, is he going to tailor everything to whatever country he's in pl- playing a game. So that to you is an American look? Oh, absolutely. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thousand percent. The only way he could have made it a bit more American was if it was one of those red and black checked flannel shirts and the t-shirt underneath it was like Metallica or Nirvana. But but otherwise, it's the ensemble is screams mid nineties American. <laughs> One of the kids from Home Improvement would wear this as a teenager. Wow, what a reference! That's a great reference. Um, I mean, in terms of Germany, this was this was their first game under this manager. Couldn't have gone better for the most no. part. I would say. I mean, they did concede a goal, but for the most part, I think that this was if this was his first impression. I think German fans would feel pretty good about it. Um, you know, we're saying they're back or whatever. Do you, do you think they are? Oh, you can't tell from that game. No, can't tell. Uh, and it's going to be hard to know because they have no competitive games ahead of uh, ahead of Euro 2004. Sorry, Euro 2024. No, no, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, so no, you, c- Andrew, they don't get back status until they get to the semi final of the Euros at a minimum. Okay. This is Germany. This is, you know, um, by the way, it's quite jarring. Look at looking at Ter Stegen's hair. They, the whoever, whatever company is doing hair now for professional footballers, you know, hair replacement. His is magnificent. I keep forgetting it's him. Yeah, I guess you're right. He, yeah, it was good. I don't know. Not something I took a huge notice of. In addition to that, because um, I know we we stressed it on the previous pod. Another thing I didn't really think much about as I was watching was Bearhalter and Reyna. I had said I was going to be up there with a magnifying glass, examining every interaction. I actually didn't. I actually didn't think a whole lot of it during the game. Did the feed give you opportunity to do that? Did it focus on them or, or trying not? to remember exact moments? I don't know. I mean, he came out like he he only played the first forty five, which was always going to be. Uh, the case for club fitness reasons. I don't think that they wanted to overextend him. So Luca De La Torre played the second half. So there wasn't necessarily that moment where he was like subbed off 
you know, in the middle, like amidst action where you will obviously have the manager high five him as he comes up. Like you didn't have that because if it happened in the locker room. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't see anything that would have made me think one thing or another. Well, Raina did nothing for the manager to either get happy or mad about. So, yeah, that which wasn't... was. Which was unfortunately the case probably for most guys out there, but they will have a, a small opportunity uh, to redeem themselves in some way. Ghana, Tuesday night, uh, the U.S. are back at it again. So um, so we'll see. We'll see if they can kind of leave us exiting this international window feeling a little bit better about them than we might feel at this moment in the wake of the German match. Anything else on this one, JJ? No, nothing. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Not a whole lot else, but I know there were a couple things you wanted to get to. I had one MLS note as well. Um, so still a couple more things to do here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back now on Caught Offside here late Sunday evening. As we wind down the weekend, JJ, I had a wonderful fall classic fall weekend today with apple picking and pumpkin picking and all that stuff oh yeah which i actually do truly enjoy i know people sometimes roll their eyes at those things but i think it's actually i actually enjoy it i like being outside and doing that stuff so yeah nice nice little weekend did one of your maniac kids set the orchard on fire (laughs) no everyone was very well behaved i must say i can't think of any real incidents Uh, i mean luke hits a lot he he gets so, he just God love him like it's so endearing about him but like he's just so full of everything at all times like he's just this energetic kid and he doesn't he can't he's too young still to know how to channel it and he so he's just he'll just walk over to me like I'm standing there examining an apple oh yeah yeah maybe a little dented on this side back punch ow he just hit, he'll walk over and just punch me in the stomach there's oh, no, no reason there's no it just happened it's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> to random randomly inflict acts of physical violence on you. Oh. Well, he's living it. Clocks you in the stomach, and then you have yeah. to discipline him immediately, right? In front of yeah, in front of people. I mean, sometimes I'll pick my spots. You like sometimes it's funny, whatever, but other times it hurt it hurts. His little fists of fury. <laughs> it hurts sometimes. Um, but no, they does were great. Ca- They're great. Does he, least... in... does he ever catch in the gonads? Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, no apple picking for me, but I, I, it was a beautiful day today. Perfect for it. Beautiful. Verdant green. <laughs> um, let's see. JJ, before we continue here, I uh, just want to remind everybody, of course, the Caught Offside is brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween. Uh, to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you the smooth finish without the mess of a, of a traditional shave. So get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com. Use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE for 20% off plus free shipping. 20% off and free shipping uh, for this Handyman razor. Um, if you're tired of bad razor making your neck look like a scary movie uh, with like the red irritation and all that, this skin safe technology on the handyman helps reduce uh, reduce nicks and cuts. And you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. 20 haircutting lengths 
on the handyman. Like we've said before, most razors give you a one, a two, or a three, and they kind of expect you to just go with that. This one has 20. Uh, the beard hedger also that uh, is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with long-lasting battery, universal charging, and strong motor. It's such a great product. I know um, it's something now, once I, now that I have it and can use it, I can't really envision going back. It's another one of these Manscaped products that makes something that can sometimes be a little bit annoying. Uh, it's fantastic because I'll never have, I'll, I'll always have at least some level of facial hair. I can't go back to being clean shaven ever again. I no, you look weird. I, yeah, I do. And I'll never go back. Uh, and no. so if you're going to, if you're going to live your life this way, where there's always at least some level of stubble or beard or something, you may as well do it the right way. And that's with this product from Manscaped. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, for the second part, I'm going to tell you my, my perfect rating, uh, my length oh, okay. rating, uh, the one that I think is, is best. I'll, I'll report back. Okay. That's important. That's good to know. All right. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code caught offside for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman from manscaped. Uh, JJ. I have one one note on MLS, and then I'll let you take us where you want to take us in, in terms of European Championship qualifying. Um, okay. The only the only thing I had to say, somewhat of a quiet weekend, but uh, FC Dallas had a real chance. This was this was a big one for them at home uh, against Colorado, who are just dreadful, who have been eliminated for God knows how long now. They're going to finish the season uh, second worst in MLS. Only Toronto FC will have been worse this season, and. Dallas just needed to beat them to clinch a playoff spot. And surprise, surprise, they tie again. I think it's, what is it, their fifth straight tie? It's all they do is tie. Um, I guess it's why they haven't clinched yet. It's also why they haven't fallen out of it yet. I guess it, it, this is a sort of a glass half full or half empty situation. Um, but you can't beat Colorado in a game where Colorado is playing for absolutely nothing and you're playing to clinch a spot in the postseason. You can't beat them. I mean, they went down a goal. Credit to him. Alan Velasco had an unbelievable free kick to equal it up 1-1 in the first half. Um, but they couldn't find the second. In fact, if anything, they were fortunate to not have lost. As uh, Colorado, there was one p- stretch of play where they had, I think, two balls cleared off the line. Uh, it was pretty exhilarating. And FC Dallas could not find a way to win the game. So they're not out of it. I believe they're still eighth uh, heading into the uh, the final week. Um, but they're going to have to beat the Galaxy now, which, again, they should, but you've now you've kind of left yourself in this situation where you, you could have handled it and you could have made things easy on yourself, just beat a really bad team at home. They couldn't do it. And so uh, I'll be watching that one very closely uh, heading into uh, the end of the season because that if they don't, if this goes bad, if they lose to the Galaxy and, and the results conspire against them and they wind up missing the playoffs, they're going to be kicking themselves for a long time over the inability to win that game. That's a that's a really bad draw uh for FC Dallas. So Yeah, that's that's one that could potentially stick with them. Um yeah. allow me to take you in or retake you in the direction of Euro twenty twenty four. Kudos to Scotland, Andrew. They have qualified for Euro twenty twenty four. Um the disappointment of the rather controversial defeat in Spain. Uh, ebbing away somewhat, although I, I, I read something that Scott McTominay is going to write to UEFA mm. over the VAR and the implementation of VAR and his disappointment at, about it over the in that Spain game. 
I wonder will that letter ever get sent now that it's been confirmed he's qualifying? I wouldn't or... do that. I wouldn't send that letter if I were him. I think that's <laughs> that's kind of a bad look. Like yeah. there's a, there's a sour grapes element to that. That it may have ruled out one of the best goals he's ever scored yeah. and ever will score. So, um, but but listen, Steve Clark's tenure in uh, Scottish manager. Uh, qualified through the Nations League playoffs for Euro 2021, got to the playoffs, narrowly lost to Ukraine, uh, to Ukraine um, for the World Cup, and now they're back, and they finished second in a group with Spain, um, and just they were just, I think, uh, I think they've been outstanding, and you know if you looked at that, Spain, Scotland, Norway. Norway, considering the talent that they have, would have been probably favourites to finish second or at least head-to-head with Scotland. And Scotland finished five points ahead of them, or, well, more uh, in the end, probably. And it's it's a brilliant achievement for Steve Clark's team. And and they've qualified for, for a major tournament again. And um, I'm jealous, basically. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, this is, you're right, it is a great achievement. And the fact that, you know, they've kind of done it, I'm not going to say stress-free, but fairly stress-free. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it is kind of though what they should be doing, right? Like we've said for a while now that they're, they're in a a pretty good era of Scottish talent. Um, and while not, while not easy, it would be, it would be profoundly disappointing. I would think if they weren't able to qualify, I think they're like, they're better. Um, they're certainly better than than they have been in previous years with players like Andy Robertson in the side, Scott McTominay, uh, John McGinn. But like, you know, you've got Lyndon Dykes, uh, who's oh, an average striker playing for Queens Park Rangers. Like, they're not they're not blessed with strikers or anybody like that. They're they're still, I suppose you know. Parts of that squad where you're like, eh, you know, like Billy Gilmore's a good player, all right, but like Jay Adams is probably their their most notable striker. He's hardly prolific, so they still have to have to make do with what they have to a certain extent. And I mean, Robertson and McTominay and McGinn probably make them that little bit better, but I still think it's a, it's a massive achievement for them. Um, and it's only what was it last year, last summer in the Nations League, Ireland hammered them three nil at Lansdowne Road, and I thought they were in the decline and we were in the ascent. And it just goes to show you, um, I got that one terribly wrong. But well done to the Scots, um, again, great addition, and they're gonna they're gonna have a brilliant time in Germany. Um, absolutely great. Jordan Henderson, Andrew, Jordan Henderson of Al Ittifaq in Saudi Arabia and the England national team. Uh, they played a friendly at Wembley against Australia. Ollie Watkins scored. Um, but some of the, the headlines afterwards was that uh, Jordan Henderson was booed. Mm-hmm. Booed at Wembley. Gareth Southgate, who always defends his players, can't understand it. Um, Jordan Henderson said people want to boo him. That's fine. They can. Uh, but I'm I'm trying to think of the last time an England player was booed because of the club he went to join. Oh man, I 
Has it ever happened? Has, yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. He's he's discovering that people took him at his word when he when he said the things he said about his support for the LGBTQ plus community and I moved to Saudi Arabia. That's that's not it's not gonna just get wiped away now. People aren't gonna forget. Um so yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. And the other bit of news this evening or earlier today was that Sir Jim Ratcliffe is close to a 25% uh, stake, buying a 25% stake in Manchester United. The Independent reporting that it's not done and is um, basically based on the fact that he would need to have a pathway to full ownership for him to buy that stake in the club. So some of the United supporters group who hate the Glazers and want the Glazers out have met this with kind of uh, muted, muted kind of optimism, I suppose. Um, and according to Fabrizio Romano, the here we go man, uh, Sheikh Jassim of Qatar is out, which was, if you were online, many Manchester United supporters' preferred option was the Qatari complete 100% takeover. Um, but that appears not to be happening now. So we will see probably no more as the days go on about exactly what um, what Sir Jim Ratcliffe's um, stake is and if that's going to get over the line but it would see the Glazers ceding some of their some of their ownership of Manchester United which maybe the start of the, or the end of of Glazer ownership although maybe a, I'd say it's going to be a very long goodbye yeah that club that club keeps making the money that's the thing is if they've been willing to tolerate the abuse and the hate for as long as they have, then then they're probably immune to it at this point, right? So, like, I I don't know exactly what their reason would be for selling, um, unless they no longer see it as the money maker that they thought it it was. But I, I like if they feel like the club is trending in a certain direction where eventually, I don't know, profits are going to start to go down somewhat. I, I have no idea. Um, yeah, but I don't entirely know why they would want to sell right now. Yeah, so um, not 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 great clarity on that, but it looks as if Manchester United may have another uh, part owner coming on board. Yeah, and that's it for me, Andrew. Really, I'm I'm a broken man. I I've been broken. Hmm. Wow. I'm in pieces. Wow. Yep. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I wish there was a way that I could lift you, uh, but. I sadly don't think I can. If you allow me to punch you in the face, I think that'd be a start, friend. I'll consider it. It's not a no. I'll consider it. Okay. Um, JJ, that, that's about all I got right now. We'll be back sometime during this week. Like I said, the U.S. have another friendly against Ghana. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. And we'll have a, a full report to bring to you uh, shortly after that one occurs. JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. There's not much left of it, so uh, whatever you can do, try to try to improve the way you're feeling in the in the dying embers of the weekend. I might just go back and watch the end of the Eagles game. That'll surely pick my mood up. You're not a Jet fan. You don't get to say that. 
whenever the whenever the Eagles lose, it's it's a joy to me. Well, what's going on in your game right now? As we're recording, you're losing to the Bills with four minutes to go. Losing losing to the Bills, fourteen nine. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, in the midst of like a disastrously bad season, how dare right, you yeah. open your mouth and talk to me? How the Mets do this year? Now you know um, what? No, the punch in the face is off. In fact, I'm glad that Ireland is in the in the shape that they're in. You absolute scumbag. I enjoyed this, this, JJ. Now bef- I enjoyed this. this pod now before we say this. something we'll both regret. Hey, to you I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 